We're going to be this morning in Psalm chapter 128. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we provide Bibles uh, in the seats in front of you uh, or behind you, wherever that may be. Uh, today's text is on page 518. Uh, page 518. Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that though the grass withers from the lack of rain and the heat, um, and the flower fades when the seasons change, that the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Um, And and so, Lord, we attest to that reality this morning, um, that despite your word being attacked from every angle, um, whether that be spiritually or um, the attempts academically to throw it under, Um, or to physically burn um, this book, uh, your word truly does stand forever, and we attest to that reality today. Thank you for your great grace towards us in Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, you may have a seat. It feels like I've already been up here for like an hour, so two more hours and you're rid of me, all right? So um, here we are in Psalm 128. It's, It's been a few weeks since I've uh, had the opportunity to be here, which, which attests to, again, the grace of the Lord to us as a church, um, that you don't have to hear from me every single week, um, and that the Lord has consistently, through our almost seven years, where, where are we at? Six years? Through our almost six years, the Lord has provided um, many great uh, men who are able to come and to, to preach God's Word and to build us up through the, the teaching of God's Word, and I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, we, as a young church, often get calls from much more established churches calling and asking us, do you have anybody that can come preach because our pastor needs a break? Um, and, and so, you know, here we are as a, that this is only by the Lord's grace. Here we are as a six-year-old church getting calls from many times 50 to 60-year-old churches um, who say, can you send somebody to preach? And we can always say yes is, is really the cool thing. Um, and so we're very grateful for that. Um, again, I think it's a grace uh, of the Lord towards you um, as the church body uh, that you are able to hear from, from a, a variety of, of voices and men um, who, are, who are gifted um, in, in, in various ways um, that are able to build up the body. And so I, I really thank God for that. And I'm thankful that uh, those, those three other men who regularly are here, I pray that we, that expands. Uh, but I also thank the Lord that those three men are, are very dear brothers to me. Um, so that's just a, a wonderful blessing. So um, here we are in Psalm 128. It feels like we're kind of on the the downhill of the uphill. See what I did there? It is the Psalms of Ascent. We're going uphill, but we're kind of on the downhill of the uphill um, because we've got just a few chapters left, and it's been just a a really, um, I think, worthy exercise um, and practice for us to walk through these Psalms this summer. Um, And so it's uh, it's been a few weeks since I've had the opportunity to share from the Psalms of Ascent, and so I think it's important for us to remember that when reading the Psalms, that it's helpful to read the Psalms 
through three different lenses. We've talked about three lenses in which it's helpful to read the Psalms through. And one of those is the lens of God's covenant, um, that God has covenanted with his people. The Psalms frequently, if you read the Psalms, not just the Psalms of Ascent, the Psalms frequently recall the faithfulness of God in the past for comfort for today. Um, This is is based on what God has promised to his covenant people. Remember what we've said, so much of our comfort for today, oftentimes as a culture, comes from hope that in the future we'll strike it big, right? If you started a business, if you started anything, you're like, well, maybe someday we'll we'll be able to see the the fruit of this thing. Well, the, the reason why we read through the lens of God's covenant is because God's people can constantly recall the faithfulness of God in the past as sufficient standing to believe that the Lord will continue to provide today. That's something that, that uh, I would say um, causes, uh, that's one of the, the distinctive things about the Christian faith, is that we can look on the past and stand firmly, as firmly on the past as we can on the present, and what the Christian faith will continue to tell us is that we can stand, because of what God's on the past, we can stand confidently for what he will do in the future. Are you confused yet? All right, well, good, good, glad, glad we're there. So lens of God's covenant, God has been faithful to his people. We're gonna to rejoice today because what God has done. We're gonna trust God today because what God has done. Well, we also can read through the lens of God's character, through the lens of God's character. So this is what we've said. God isn't merely merciful because he shows mercy. No, God shows mercy because he is merciful. You see what I'm saying there? Um, that that, that his, his acts and his, his actions are not arbitrary. Um, his actions are based on who he is. And so, again, he is, is not merciful because he shows mercy, as if tomorrow if he doesn't show mercy, he's not merciful. No, he shows mercy because he is a merciful God. It's who he is. It's who he introduced himself to his people as in Exodus 34. I'm a, I'm a, a, a God abounding in mercy. Like, they asked God his name, and he said, Mercy, essentially. I had an aunt named Mercy one time, and so it always makes me think of that. They ask God what his name is, and he he says, my name is Mercy, abounding in steadfast love. And so, again, remember, God does not do anything arbitrarily. We said this, and I want you to hear this because um, I have had several people say that it was a great source of encouragement. God only ever operates towards his children from grace. There is never a time that God is doing anything in your life, Christian, that is not rooted in his grace towards you. And so that's a way for us to see even the hard things that come our way. Uh, the, the Hebrew says he chastens those whom he loves. He disciplines those, those whom he loves. And so God, even in those acts that feel too heavy for us, he is only always, there is never a time, Christian, I'd love for somebody to argue with me about this, but there is never a time in your life, Christian, where he is not operating towards you from a place of grace because he is only after what is good in your life. He is only after what will produce in you the thing that he desires to produce. Well, we also read through a Christ-centered lens. The Psalms are sung and the blessings are pronounced find their ultimate fulfillment in Christ. Jesus sang these Psalms. We see it on the cross. We see all times. We see Acts 2. We see the beginning of the church. Peter quoting Psalm 16, and, and where it may seem like if we have a real tight, uh, tight view of Psalm 16, oh, is this talking about David? No. Peter says in Acts 2, the body who wouldn't see corruption was not David because we can go visit his grave today. The one who he's talking about in Psalm 16 is Christ. 
because God raised Jesus from the dead. And so today's foundation, keep in mind those lenses, today's foundation um, of Psalm 128 is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. You see that in verse 1. Let's read that together. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Fear of the Lord, uh, a natural question for you to be asking right now um, is, what does that mean? What is the fear of the Lord? Well, the Bible gives us a lot of things to say that the fear of the Lord is. Um, I want to give you just a couple of I think, helpful definitions, and then obviously one that surpasses them all that we see in the scriptures. Um, Fear of the Lord. Think of fear of the Lord as a reverence for the majesty of God, a reverence for the majesty of God. So so I'm going to give you a list of things, so you need to listen. I'm not just going to say one thing. I'm going to give you about five things. Fear of the Lord is a reverence for the majesty of God, a gratitude for his mercies, a dread of displeasure, and longing for the fellowship of heaven. A fear not of sorrow, but a fear of love. Not a, not a, a, a fear, it is a fear that is conjoined with hope and with love rather than a slavish commitment. But a fear that is confident in the promises of God, the holiness of God, the riches of God towards us who are in Christ. In fact, Psalm 33, 18 says this, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his steadfast love. Psalm 33, 18. The, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, and the fear of the Lord in that verse is connected to those who are hopeful in the steadfast, hased love of God. And then Psalm 128, our chapter before us today. Did anybody catch what it how Psalm 128 defines the fear of the Lord? Somebody just yell it out. Those who walk in his ways. So there's an obedience here, right? Psalm 128 defines the fear of the Lord simply as those who walk, or, um, those who walk in his ways. And so here's what that tells us, Okay. Now you're like, okay, get to, get to like the practical side. Okay, that's exactly what this verse is. It is the practical side because the fear of the Lord is not just some emotional, spiritual, internal response to God. What Psalm 128 says is that the fear of the Lord is practical. It's, it's very practical. Like, so, so it's not just like how you feel inside. Psalm 128 says, no, how you, how you walk with him. There, so there is a there is a a walking in this. Let me just say something. I I I don't think that this is just talking about a spiritual walk with God in your dreams, right? Like just take me into my imagination and let me picture what it might be to walk in the garden with Jesus. No, this is talking about an obedience to God, an obedience to what God has commanded. Of us, And so, again, the fear of the Lord is not just some emotional, spiritual, internal response, but is very practical. It's a very practical response. These verses tell us that we see the state of the heart of the believer, of, that, of him who is committed to God um, through his walk, through the way that he walks with the Lord. In fact, Psalm 1 tells us that the man is blessed who walks not in the counsel of the wicked... 
And here it tells us that he is blessed, rather not by the one who walks in counsel of the wicked, but he who walks in his ways, the ways of God. It is important for us to know this because any blessing from God, what this chapter tells us, any blessing from God begins with fear of God. That's what Psalm, 1, Psalm 120 is telling us. Who, who doesn't, don't accidentally raise your hand because it's kind of a trick question, who doesn't want the blessing of God? And by the way, if, if, that, if you're one of those that don't want the blessing of God, just know that at the same time, while this is true, you have been blessed by God. We believe in this thing called common grace uh, that, is, that, is, that is God's grace towards everyone. The fact that you woke up today, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, God's grace, the grace of God towards you. Um, that the one who holds things together by the word of his power also holds you and wakes you up and allows you to sleep and to come back. Remember, as uh, Psalm 1, this has become something that we've quoted a lot um, around each other, but remember that if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, then we would have been swallowed up. And so we all are recipients of the grace of God. But Christian, I would say this is for the covenant people of God, initially for those the Israelites, but implications stretch far beyond that because all scripture is profitable for teaching for all of us. But it's important for us to know this because blessing from God begins with fear of God. This psalm tells us that. And the psalm opens with a promise to everyone. You see, you see that? Do you see the change in language? Look at verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And then you notice the, the uh, every time I talk about this, I can't remember the, the, the name. First, second, third person. What is that? Tense? Is that tense? I see some of you nodding your head, but I, you're not convincing me. What's first, second, third person like? Person. Person. Perspective. Person. Notice the perspective change from verse 1 and verse 2. Everyone who fears the Lord, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, you shall eat. You see the, somewhat of the, 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 the perspective change or the person change in that? And so this psalm opens with a promise to everyone who belongs to God, that everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, will be blessed. The, the Hebrew the Hebrew is really interesting here, y'all. You ready for this? I'm about to blow your mind. The Hebrew is really interesting here because everyone means everyone. There's your Hebrew for the day. Um, I don't know Hebrew at all. I just am taking what God's word says at face value and saying that everyone who fears the Lord, who are part of his people, that, that is the context of this, the covenant people of God, that everyone who fears the Lord will be blessed. I say that, I, I, I bring that point up because the author goes on to give a specific example of the kind of blessing that falls upon the man who fears the Lord. That's what Psalm 128, the majority of Psalm 128 is, is a specific example um, of one who fears God and the author chooses to highlight the man who fears the Lord. The, 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 the man, it says, your, uh, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, you shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. And so the example that the psalmist gives for the blessing uh, of the one who fears the Lord is, the example that he gives is of a man who has a wife 
um, who has children, um, and, and he gives these blessings. Let's read that. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. We're going to stop there. And, and so this is the example that the psalmist gives. And so let me give a quick word on that. Um, some of you felt like the, 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 the scriptures just completely lost you because you're not a man. Um, maybe you are a man and you're not married. Maybe you are a man and you don't have children. Um, and, and there's all these things that you're thinking of. Well, let me just remind you um, that blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And then the psalmist intentionally gives us an example of what the blessing upon a man who is married, who has children, what that blessing looks like. So let me give a quick word on that to those who are not married. To those who are not married, let me, let me just say this. The Bible has wonderful, hope-filled categories for you. The, the, the Bible's like, we don't know who this unicorn of a person who's not married is. Good luck. The Bible doesn't do that. No, the Bible has beautiful, wonderful, hope-filled categories for you. And you need to know this from your pastor, that the desire that you have to be married and to have a family are only natural. They are natural. We affirm your desire for that. We're not just saying, well, you just need to serve the Lord, you know, and just, you know, just, just, you know. No, those desires in your life are natural. You are right to be pursuing and desiring that. You are displaying a fear of the Lord in desiring that. And in your waiting, the Bible addresses your ability and your responsibility to honor God with your life. The Bible doesn't leave you aimless or wondering. The Bible isn't like, well, again, good luck. We hope that you can figure this thing out. No, the, the, the scriptures address your ability as a spirit-filled child of God and your responsibility as one who fears the Lord to honor God with your life. And so if we read the Psalms through the lens of God's character and his covenant with his son Jesus, not on your circumstance in this season of life, then we realize that God is really gracious and has hope in this season of waiting in my life. So remember, the psalm opens with a general statement of blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, and then gives us a beautiful example to the men. And so men, let me address you here for just a moment. Men with the families, men with wives and children, your responsibility is great. There is, let me, let me just say this, other than your walk with Jesus, other than your right standing before God, and then your walk in obedience to God, there is nothing in your life more important than your responsibility as a husband and as a father. Let me say that one more time. There is nothing more important than your responsibility to your wife and to your children if you are a married person of God. Now, there's all sorts of biblical implications for that, right? That you would provide for them, that you would work hard for them, that you would do all that you do for the glory of God, that you would, that you would work, that you would provide, uh, that you would discipline, that you would encourage, that you would not... Um, what's the fancy word that Colossians uses or Ephesians? Uh, do what? What is it? Exasperate. Do not exas to not exasperate your children, to not discourage your children. 
Your responsibility is great. And so the scriptures speak here of the blessing of God upon the man's life who fears the Lord. And let me just say this. The scriptures also speak to the mess of the man's life who does not fear the Lord. If we're just, if we're just real honest, that the, the man who fears the Lord and, and says, you know what, I can take things my own way, I can control my own way, the Bible is full of those kinds of stories and it, it kind of doesn't go well. But the blessed who fear the Lord in Psalm 1 are spoken of as established trees and the wicked are spoken of as chaff, that who blows away with the wind. But the man who is righteous, who walks in the ways of the Lord, is like a tree firmly planted by rivers of water. I mean, that's a, that's a powerful image. So there are specific implications or applications this chapter has to the people of Israel, to be clear. Okay? There are specific applications that, that, that this passage has for the people of Israel, but the implications of this reach far beyond the people, uh, the, far beyond Israel to the people of God today. And so this psalm literally is the antithesis to the messages that our culture tells us today. If, if you're friends with me on Facebook, which I don't recommend it, um, you, I got in a lot of trouble this week on Facebook. I didn't get like put in Facebook jail, but I, I, did, the, I did the bad thing and said the thing that nobody wants to hear and um, probably shouldn't have, but I did. Uh, because there are messages that our culture shares that are false. There, there are false, and so some of you are like so distracted right now. You're like, what did he say on Facebook? And so I see some of you, you're like, where's that? Yeah, it's still there. I didn't delete it. It's still there. This psalm is the antithesis of many of the messages that our culture tells us today. And so let me share some of those. And I, this could be the moment of, this, of the sermon where I just lose you. I, I promise I'm not being hateful. If, if you know me, you know I'm not hateful. But, um, but, but I think it's important for us to, to realize that there are things that you're just hearing. And maybe some of you are just accepting. Like, oh, yeah, well, that's true. Well, no, it's not. Because the Bible has a more beautiful more, more godly message for us. And so the message of, that's, that's prominent right now is it's impossible to be a woman. This passage literally says the opposite. 128 says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. Hey, women, are there challenges in this world? Are there challenges that maybe you face um, that, that maybe, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm not trying to get into that, but what the scriptures say here is that if you fear the Lord, that you are blessed. That if you fear the Lord and you walk in his ways, that you are blessed, blessed in the, I, I do know this because I've read this, but blessed in the language of the scripture is that you are experienced the, the highest level, the highest level of satisfaction that God offers. There is a blessedness and there is a happiness that you are experiencing in your life if you fear the Lord that is the highest level of satisfaction that you can possibly experience. Another one of those lies, those cultural lies, is that blessing only comes through success and achievement. No, Psalm 128 says, blessing comes to those who fear the Lord and who walk in his ways. Another one of the lies that fulfillment comes when I express and I find myself. No, the Psalm 128 says that the, everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways is blessed. 
Everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways is experiencing a level of satisfaction and fulfillment that cannot be found anywhere but in the fear of the Lord and in the ways that he has called us to walk. Philippians 2, 5 through 7 shows us the example of Christ. If you will, turn there. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. If you're using those black Bibles, it's on page uh, 980. So does blessing only come through success and achievement? Does blessing and fulfillment come when I express and find myself? No. Philippians 2, 5 through 7 is a command that says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself. He emptied himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on Earth, uh, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the example of Christ is that the path to exaltation is emptying of oneself. The path to being lifted up is to being brought down low. And the path to experiencing blessing in our life is not by something that I can find within myself, but according to Psalm 128, but to fearing the Lord and to walking in his ways. And let me just tell you, like the implications of the fear of the Lord are very costly to you, church family. Do you understand what I'm saying there? So, so what it looks like to live in the fear of the Lord today, in our time and in our, in our, in our scene right here, the, the, the implication of the fear of the Lord and walking in his ways is a very costly thing. And so it will cause you to feel emptied. It will cause you to feel helpless. It will cause you to feel like I, I'm just going to keep working my way down. And what Paul says is, you, Christian, have this mind. It's telling us what Christ did and so Christ has accomplished and finished this work, but the command of Paul is also believer, not so that you'll be saved, but so that you can exemplify, follow Christ's example, is to have this same mind by emptying of yourself, by counting the cost to follow Jesus. And so, just in summary, fearing the Lord and walking in His ways will lead to the experience of the greatest blessing we can achieve in this life. Let me just say that one more time because it's really hard to believe that fearing the Lord and walking in His ways, according to Psalm 128, will lead to the experience of the greatest blessing we can achieve in this life. Hey, when the Bible says blessed, blessing, it's not, it's not your grandma like pinching your cheek and saying, oh, bless your little heart. That's not, that's not, that's not the kind of blessing. No, this is the voice of God booming from heaven, saying, blessed are you, my son. Blessed are you, my child. Happy and on the right path. 
Happy and fulfilled are you who fears the Lord and who walks in my ways. That's the kind of blessing that you are given. And so the general truths in this psalm that applies to all people tell us that the result of fearing the Lord and walking in his ways allows us to see the... So verses, verse 2, what verse 2 tells us? That you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Well, that fearing the Lord and walking in his ways will allow us to see the fruit of past labors. And so maybe you're like, well, I don't have, I, you know, I, I'm not married, I don't have children. Well, the principle here is that fearing the Lord and walking in his ways will allow you to see the fruit of past labor. Verses 3 through 5 tells, tells us, we've read that already, and so verse 3 through 5 tells us that fearing the Lord and walking in his ways allows us to enjoy present enjoyment, that we are fulfilled, we are blessed. Blessed is our current state, that we are blessed and we are satisfied in him. And then 5 and 6, we've not read this together again yet. Our brother Brian did, but we're going to read it again. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. And so fearing the Lord and walking in his ways allows us to see the fruit of past labors. It leads us to present enjoyment. Well, it also enables future hope, future welfare. That this life is not all that you have. One day you will stand before God. And in that moment, you have, a, you have a hope that awaits you in heaven as you stand before him, as you fear the Lord and you walk in his ways, where Jesus will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you talk about future welfare and hope because of, the co- because of what it may cost us to fear the Lord and walk in his ways today. He who fears the Lord, Spurgeon says, is well in time, well in death, and is well at the last judgment. That means he's well now, he's well in the future, and he's well forever. So Christian, I want to make something very clear, and then I want to ask you a couple challenging questions, because I think we've been challenged here. Blessed, uh, blessed is the man who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. So let me make something very clear to you, believer. Our, ex- our salvation and our acceptance before God is based solely on the finished work of Christ. Nothing that you do, no merit, the song we sang today, no merit that you have is sufficient for acceptance before God. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ's work alone. That's it. Literally, that's it. We're we're, we're saved through faith in Christ's work. You are saved for the glory of God and to bring glory to God. And the psalm here tells us that God is glorified and blesses those who fear the Lord and who walk in his ways. And so, God's blessing here, his blessing, not his, not his free offer of salvation, because what is the free gift of salvation? It's, it's Christ. It's what he's done. But God's promise to those who have received that blessing from Christ finished work, his promise then is that you can live a, a blessed life. Not hashtag blessed, but a fulfilling, blessed life. And so God's blessing here is related to those who fear God and obey him. And so here's my questions. Here's quite, we can't, I can't just leave you here. The question was, 
is when was the last time that you asked God for grace to be delivered from that which holds you back from walking in his ways? Our, our men at our men's breakfast, which uh, is this Saturday. Um, so men, join us this Saturday at 8.15 uh, for men's breakfast. But one of our conversations at men's breakfast last time um, was, have you ever been delivered from something that you didn't think you could ever be delivered from? That sin that besets and entangles you? Is there, is there anything that you thought, there's just no way I could ever overcome this? And then one day God miraculously delivers you? Do you believe that God can deliver you from your anger, from your addiction? Do you believe that God can deliver you from whatever that is that holds you back? And, and the question that goes along with that is how much are you tempting to do on your own? Remember what Psalm 124 says, or 127 that Jordan preached last week, unless the Lord builds the house, right? Unless the Lord, and then fill in the blank. Unless the Lord intervenes, I will continue to be captive to this. Unless the Lord gives me grace to overcome this, I will continue to be bound by this. Do you know that by and only God's grace you can be set free from that thing that entangles and ensnares you. And then just the real nitty-gritty question, are you obeying God? Are you, are you walking in his ways? Are you, are you a Christian? Are you obeying God? Your, your salvation and your, your, your future hope does not weigh on how well you can obey. That is, not the, that is not the gospel. It's not how repentant you are each and every day of your life, which... Repentance is a step of obedience, and so maybe what God is calling you to do today is to repent of something that's holding you back, but your salvation is secure and firm, not because of anything you do or don't do, but because of what Christ has done for you on your behalf, and only that is the acceptable sacrifice before God. But, Christian, are you walking in fellowship with your Heavenly Father? Are you obeying Him? Do you long for the fellowship that is yours with God through what Christ has done for you on the cross? For, for the Christian, I want you to hear this. For the Christian, there is, this, this is no condemning passage. This is not a passage, if you're a Christian, that condemns. Let me say this, though. If you're not a believer, this is a very heavy passage. <laughs> it, it, like, more than you can bear. What we talked about already, that, that remember how Jesus invited you out of that? Hey, come to me, all who are, who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. No, this is no condemning passage for the Christian because of Romans 8, right? What's Romans 8, 1 say? There is therefore now what? No, no, condemnation. no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who are in good behavior? Is that, is that what it says? No, for those who are in Christ Jesus. So this is no condemning passage, believer. This is an inviting message. This is a message that's inviting you into the life that you're searching for, maybe through lots of other things, and your union is already with Christ because of what he has done for you. This, is a, this really is a passage, if we read through the Christ-centered lens and what he has done for us, this is a passage filled with gospel hope and gospel realities, that you have been set free in order to serve him and to walk in his ways. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the continual reassurance that this gives us. First and foremost, of, of what is true of us uh, positionally before God, and that is that 
our salvation has been accomplished by His work, but it also assures us and comforts us and reassures us that because of our position with Christ, we have now been given new life. We have now been given the Spirit of God who will enable us to walk in the ways that our Lord has commanded. And so, Lord, we just ask now that that you would, more than anything, give us a, a great deal of peace. May those who wrestle with assurance. Lord, this could be, a, this could be a, a heavy passage if we don't understand it correctly. It could be a passage of, I don't walk in his ways. Could I, am, I really, am I really saved? Well, Lord, we believe that our salvation has been purchased by what Christ has done. But Lord, the work of your spirit is to convict. The work of your spirit, Lord, is to, to show us and to reveal to us our sin. And so, Lord, if there be any way within us even as we come to the Lord's table, as 1 Corinthians 11 says, to examine ourselves. May we examine. May we acknowledge that before you. And then in the very next moment, as 1 Corinthians 11 says, eat. Because we are confident in what you have done for us through Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you for this glorious reality, this glorious message. And Lord, again, would would you allow us by your grace to respond to to what the Spirit of God is, is showing to us. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.